Friends in Recovery, the Addiction Recovery Podcast, is brought to you by the Friends in Recovery Community, a thriving network of individuals who are fighting back against the stigma of addiction. Join our hosts as they speak up about the real issues of addiction, treatment, and recovery. Friends in Recovery, the Addiction Recovery Podcast, is available on Facebook, Podbean, iTunes, and YouTube 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Now, here are your friends in recovery. Welcome, everybody, to the Friends in Recovery podcast with Jersey Ed. I'm your host, guys, Jersey Ed, reading from a script, <laughs> along with my host, my co-host, Buckeye Bambi, and Super Beth. What's up, ladies? My hair. That's your it. hair. Man, I have a problem with my hair, too. So I see Dave has a sa- almost the same hair that I had. <laughs> <laughs> We get up in the morning and it gets uh, it gets a little uh, little uh, weird Very. on us. So yeah, exactly. But I'll introduce Dave in a second. He will be our guest today. I'll let you know where he's from. I'm gonna keep you guys wondering who he is. Um, Bambi, Buckeye Bambi, you and I have to talk. Oh no! All right, we you talk all the time, talk. Ed. I know, but this is serious. We have to talk oh. about about um, Super Beth right now. Oh, we right in what, front the- of her. The name, yes. Uh, you know, I did name. put in the show notes last week that I it was a question that. whether we were changing her name or not. Well, that's what I want to ask everybody: Do we change her name to Basement Beth? I like that <laughs> much better than Super. First of all, if it fits you, Beth, okay, because when you can hobble down the steps, you're there, right? True, true story. Okay, and I know you're Super Beth. We all know that. I mean, come on. So we want to take a poll, guys. We want to know if Beth is going to be Super Beth or Basement Beth. I love this idea. I think Beth wants to know, too. (laughs) Beth wants to know. Exactly. Exactly. So, well, if you want to give us a call and cast your vote, you give us a call at 800-989-6504. That is our our podcast hotline for non-emergency calls um if you want to find out about what we do here um if you just want to talk to somebody that's the number to call um you can email us your answer for basement beth or super beth at help at friends and recovery podcast.com or right below here you see these names these uh these email addresses they will uh that you can even email beth right and just read that right in front of her there it is right okay read that uh email address and make sure that you vote, um, not on the website. The website is friendsandrecoverycommunity.org because we don't know how to use the website to do shit like that, guys. <laughs> we have a really nice website. You really we do. Don't know how to use it. Like, there's no updates. I was just on it before, right? I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna rant on something. Give me a second, okay? Sorry, Dave. You're gonna have to listen to this. But we have this beautiful website, right? We have a place where you go to see all of our current stuff what we're doing we have meeting lists and none of it's updated the meeting lists are but there's no adventures in there there's nothing going on because you know why bambi because none of us know jack shit about the fucking website number one and number two we haven't been asking for a podcast intern for intern. the last months we so i'm begging you <laughs> please somebody i need a podcast intern because we don't know anything about websites so if you know anything about websites, call that number and we will uh, we'll be more than happy to have you uh, on on staff with us and not paying you because it's a whole volunteer position. <laughs> <laughs> and I, oh, wait, hold on. The phone's ringing. Wait, hold on. It's ringing like he's got. <laughs> anyway, so that's my rant for today. Um, back to the show. <laughs> um, let's see. Purple hearts, purple hearts, purple hearts. Hearts, guys. Purple hearts. No purple hearts this week. Enough said. So, so what we do is I see. Oh wow, Beth, Sean gave you <gasps> orange heart. Thank you, Sean. Yes, Sean gave you orange hearts. So, and she's got a vote for basement Beth. Oh, a boat. Oh, two. Oh, what? This is the Beth show now. Come on, guys. What's going on here? <laughs> hey, I'm just. I've been saving off all the attention from all the other. Shows. That's it. That's it. You exactly. had to go break your leg in multiple places to get some attention. Beth. Exactly. Now, come on. Listen, I'm willing to go to any lengths. Dave, I went to jail. Here. I didn't get enough, that much attention. <laughs> that's true. That's true. If you're scratching your head, what's going on here? Each week we ask 
if you could see our hearts here, um, we ask just to give in the comments below, um, give us the the hearts that you know in the, that 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 you your favorite uh, podcast host. So Bambi is purple, mm-hmm. Beth is orange, Jerseyette is blue, and what color hearts would you want to, for for this show, uh, Dave? How about Carolina blue. Carolina blue. There you go. There you go. Carolina blue for Dave. I don't know where that's at, but find a blue in there, guys, and send him a a Carolina blue heart. I know about Carolina blue. I don't. Isn't that indigo? Is that indigo? It's the color of my shirt. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, it's indigo, I believe. I believe because there's indigo. That's the that's the big thing down here in South Carolina. Indigo is dark. Is it? Yeah, indigo is super dark. Carolina blue is like, like North purple. Carolina. What does North Carolina look like? North Carolina blue for like their their basketball. Car heels. Yeah, uh, car heels. Thank you. Uh, okay. Right. My best friend is a Duke lover, though. So uh oh. Then you know what? I'm a Georgia Bulldog. I'll take red. It's good. <laughs> oh. It's all good. I'm easy. <laughs> Dave thought he was going to come on and talk about his sober at home stuff. Little, come on, little Dave. did he know. <laughs> <laughs> Got to get through our silliness first. That's it. That's it. I like to thank all the donors who made this show possible, guys. Without you, we cannot do this, right? Thank you so much. Um, to make a donation, go to friendsandrecoverycommunity.org. Um, also, if you want to find out about the Fire Network, go to the same website, scroll through and look for the Friends in Recovery uh, or look for the Fire Network and join our Fire Network if you have a podcast or you're creator of of something on uh on something whatever just go to the website or uh, or email carl um, from soberpod info at um soberpod.com and he'll tell you all about it don't even ask me about it so anyways uh today's guest as you guys can see is dave gerber owner of sober at home dave we will get back to you in a moment um, we still have to be silly a little bit here. So stay tuned some, for some amazing recovery when Dave comes on, because God knows we're not supplying <laughs> that right now. <laughs> yeah. uh, here's the, here's my favorite part of the show. Ladies is the sober shout outs. Um, I like going around the room and just, uh, just ask everybody for sober shout outs because you know, we work hard in our recovery and so does everybody else. And I think people should be recognized on here. Hands down 100%. To all four viewers, we should have um, going out is <laughs> <laughs> sober shout out. So I know Bambi has a sober, a few sober shout outs, Bambi. I have two. I have two really important ones. So not that they're not all important. They are all important. But um, two of our friends in recovery, the first one is Anne F. And she is my sponsee. Oh, yeah, and she has Anne. one year today. Today and March 1st is uh, when we're recording. So yeah, Anne, March 1st, um, the day we record. And then um, <laughs> another friend in recovery, Billy A. Has two uh, years on March 2nd. Billy. And isn't Woo-hoo! she going to host a meeting for us soon? She is going to host all on right, Friday. All right. Congratulations. Congratulations. Beth, any sober shout outs? So I got actually two. So I want to send a shout out to my friend Kim. <clears throat> Today is her birthday, March 1st. The What's day up, Kim? And um, also to my friend, Happy Sean. Birthday. Sean. Sean. He gave Sean. me a call this morning and I get to see him tomorrow morning. So I'm very excited. Who, Sean E? Yeah. Oh, and he gave right. you hearts. And he my gave you buddy. hearts. I know. I love Sean E. He's amazing. He's a I spent guy. I spent a weekend with Sean a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> he, did the, he did the polar plunge. Is that he what you did. He did. Yeah. yeah, it was the uh, the the cold bath, the, the cold ice bath. bath. Yes, yes. He went camping with us. So we did leave our clothes on. I promise. <laughs> it was too cold. <laughs> I told you this show was going to go bad. <laughs> a quick social media update. Um, don't forget, uh, we have twice daily A meetings on Zoom. You can find them at our website, friendsandrecovery.org. Click on the meetings and click on the day you want to go. Click on the meeting and you'll go in. Um, what else do we have? Look for look for all of us or our social media, friends and recovery communities. Um, just search for that. And don't forget to like, subscribe, share, and comment below because we want to see some hearts. Um, and a five-star Purple review, which hearts. nobody gives anymore. I think I'm just gonna 
cross that off because nobody gives us a review i mean come on i mean give us a you can give a five-star review on other platforms but youtube doesn't have the five star but like on the other platforms it is five star but nobody gives us a five-star review nobody do you check the other media sources or just youtube no i just check youtube (laughs) (laughs) hold on let me erase that Uh, give us a five-star review everybody (laughs) all right guys so bambi and beth and dave you know what time it is question of the week question of the week week guys there it is question of the week so the question of the week this week everybody and dave we would like you to chime in if you'd like if not you can just tell us to uh, pass or whatever you guys use in New York for language. Um, that's up to you. The question of the week is, which do you listen to the most, your heart or your brain? Which do you listen to the most, your heart or your brain, guys? And I'm going to ask Beth first. Oh, 100% my heart. Always yeah. my heart. I've got I would have guessed so the same thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, your heart. Yeah, okay. You're you're a heart girl. Absolutely. I can tell that. Right. I mean, come on. Let's be serious. Uh, um, Dave, our guest, which do you listen to most, your heart or your head? I think mostly my head. I'm a brain guy. I could pick that out too. Look at all those books he has back there. Would you read them just in about 10 minutes ago? All you can't books? see them. They're mostly kids books. <laughs> doesn't matter. You look smart. So yeah. <laughs> yeah so, so we got a brain, we got a heart Bambi. <clears throat> well, when you, you pick this question, I immediately thought, Oh, you're a heart person. And the more I thought about it, I'm like, no, you're not. Sydney are my brothers. He's going through some health issues and I am such a nurse at heart. I'm mm. analyzing everything. So, mm. I mean, I'm treating him like a patient. I'm, you know, I'm, you know, so no, I'm a head person. Oh, my brain. Yeah. I think, babe, I think you could go either way because as tough as you think you are, you're a softy. Yeah. Seriously. I am. I you am. That's as why I said it think was, you are. I vacillated back and forth. Yeah, I think you're one of you're 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 back and forth. You're 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 both. That would be my guess. Yeah, I I guess you're right. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So, guys, I don't think with either. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) What do you think with Ed? (laughs) Ask my wife. (laughs) Watch YouTube will kick us off. (laughs) Oh, will they? See, I told you I can't say that was kind of words on here. Just kidding, everybody. Just kidding. I think with my heart, too. I wear my heart out of my sleeve and, you know, I'm a crybaby. I'm a, you know, a softy. I'm a dad of five children and nine grandchildren. I got to freaking lead with my heart. So so there it is. So we have um, a little split there. And uh, let's hear what you guys want. Comment below. Let us know if you listen with your head or your heart. Carl. We know what you listen with. So <laughs> uh, my sober shout out, guys. Oh, my sober shout out real quick was um, to um, to Carl and Chelsea, right? Carl and Chelsea. Uh, well, of course. Pod. Yeah. I so just keep them in the notes. Pod. Copy and paste. Yes. Sober pod. So yes, we're very organized here, Dave. So <laughs> anyways, so that is it for all the craziness that we do. I'd like to introduce my guest, Dave Gerber, the owner of Sober at Home. Um, I know um, a couple people that have um, asked you, he was recommended to come on our show. And um, Bambi set all this up. And I'm really interested to hear on what Sober at Home does, maybe a little bit about what, how you've, you've brought it together. And uh, I know we have some topics that we can touch on too. And uh, you, uh, it's your, your, your show, uh, Dave, have at it. Well, <laughs> Thanks for having me. And, you know, I've been in the field of addictions treatment for over 30 years. And, uh, you know, 30 years ago, we were helping people get sober. We were helping people to find meaningful and purposeful lives through sobriety. Mm-hmm. And, you know, over the years, you know, I've run programs at every level of care um, from inpatient, outpatient, jail-based programs. Mm. And, you know, I, I saw the field changing. And, you know, my heart, my commitments, you know, thinking from the heart, right? Um, I'm a brain guy, but my passion has always been about helping people find their way to, you know, purposeful lives. And so I'm in the shower one day and, and all of a sudden the term just sober at home just popped in my head. Wow. 
And uh, it was an idea that I just started to run with. And I said, you know, I, I still want to find a way to help people get sober. Mm-hmm. And while the, a lot of the world is changing and, and, you know, and it has its place, you know, harm reduction and getting people to, you know, not die is a good thing. But, you know, Senator Patrick Kennedy once said, you know, meet people where they're at, but don't leave them there. Ooh, and I like that. You know, and and I I just really wanted to find a place where we can continue the work of helping people to get sober. So we created a team. It's a family business, really. It's okay. you know, my wife is uh, our communications uh, specialist, and she does website and communications. My brother is our chief financial officer. One of my sons is you know interning with us and helping us with stuff behind the scenes. And basically, what we are is an online platform. Okay, that uh, can reach people across the country, and and it kind of reverses the way that the traditional treatment program works. You know, if you need treatment, uh, specifically outpatient treatment, uh, you got to figure out how to make your schedule work around that treatment program. Mm-hmm. And what we've done at Sober at Home is we've created a schedule with groups that start at six thirty in the morning and they go till midnight. Oh my god! And so you get to decide. You know, if you're a working mom and, you know, you want to make sure that, you know, you get your help and your support before you leave for work in the morning or after you put down the kids at night, we have groups to help people um, almost on demand seven days a week. And so that's one of the big differences about Sober at Home is how we offer groups at all times of day, seven days a week with access to care seven days a week. Yeah. And I was... Oh, God, I'm sorry. No, no, no. I was going through your website and, and that was one of the questions. I the, the, I mean, the groups at any time, is that is that kind of how that goes? Because I, I was looking through it and I just didn't quite, you know, I, I guess I would have to fill out your extensive um, uh, uh, questionnaire, which I'm impressed with, um, you know, I guess to find out a little bit more. But I want, can you talk a little bit more about the groups and and how that works and individual, like the kind of nuts and bolts of your program, because um, you've been around a while. It sounds like I've been around a while in this field. Beth has been, been doing this for a long time. Um, You know, we, we know you go to a place, you go to a building, you check into an IOP or you go to detox and then you get your individual therapist and boom, you're, you're done. Sober at home is not, normal you know what i mean it's not normal yet you know what i mean hopefully soon it will be because i like the idea it gives people different um kind of avenues to do this but my concern is how do you do the groups and and you know that that would that's my first question so and that's the that's the next best thing about sober at home is we haven't forgotten about the importance of group work you know, I believe that the journey of addiction, and maybe you guys are familiar with this, I like to call it the ever increasingly shrinking world of addiction. That as our use progresses, our world tends to shrink, right? And we start to give up people, places, things mm-hmm. in deference to our drug of choice, right? Mm-hmm. And part of our goal in treatment and recovery is to find a way to be connected and to expand that world mm-hmm. back out. A lot of the, you know, COVID moving forward you know what we've realized is that people don't have to leave the house to get a lot of the services that they need but the vast majority of telehealth kind of programs are are one on one and we believe in the power of groups we believe in the power of getting people connected so you know there's two different types of groups and I don't want to bore you with the details but let's just say you're in early recovery and you need you know some intensive care um, you can sign up for a package that gives you access to three closed groups a week based on your schedule. So we may have a group going Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 9 a.m. or Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday at 2 p.m. Um, and those are going to be your closed groups. And you're going to go through that program with the same people who started. But guess what? Now it's Sunday and now you have having urges and you're having cravings and mm-hmm. you're having temptations and you're struggling and you want support. We have open groups that are open and available to people who just need them in their time of need. Mm-hmm. So, so that's how the groups work. We have okay. group group therapy type groups, and we have educational lecture type groups with, you know, evidence based practices like cognitive behavioral therapy, 
Um, I personally am a big believer in encouragement. I don't, you probably can't read the sign me sign behind me, but it says people need encouragement like plants need water. Mm -hmm. The ones who need it the most are the ones who get it the least. Mm -hmm. And all of the people that walk through the doors into treatment and recovery, mm-hmm. I believe are discouraged. And it's mm-hmm. part of our job to be sources of encouragement to them. Yeah. yeah. And and you know what, Dave, I, I like to uh, kind of go off of that, the, the groups and everything. When I heard so- Sober at Home, like, oh, I hope it's uh, like, it's a, I, know, I think it sounded like to me, it was like an uh, individual therapist that comes to your house, blah, blah, blah. That is refreshing to know that there are lots of groups because to me, and, and ladies, just you know, if you chime in here, but to me, groups saved my life for a couple of reasons. Number one, I felt part of something. Number one, I didn't have to just sit in a room with somebody and tell them my deepest, darkest secrets and are they staring back at me? Number two, in a group, I hear people's dark, deepest, darkest secrets sometimes. So I know I'm in the right room. And number three, everybody in this room is just like me, just like me. I'm not sitting across from a therapist. Um, you know, kind of analyzing me and, and, you know, I, I give me a group any day, hands down any day. Of course I do my one-on-one with my therapist, but I would take a group 10 times a day over a, you know, in one-on-one individual therapist. I think it really works because I know I can identify with that. Um, ladies, any, any, anything about that? How does that work? I, I love the model. <clears throat> like, how does that work? Does it work with insurance? Is it self-pay? Like, yeah. yeah. So Great question. Um, we are a self-pay model and and there's a reason why we're not taking insurance. Um, you know, there's a reason why we're not licensed by New York State. Um, you know, I've been doing this for 30 years. I've been helping people for 30 years. And now we have people saying you have to do this or you have an insurance company saying, you know, you've got to, uh, you know, uh, what what is medically necessary. And so they tell you, you can only do treatment or for yep. this long a period of time. Um sober at home is something that is in many ways very much self-directed and you can decide how long you want to be in care for mm-hmm. um but you know uh self-pay so how much is it think of it as like a gym membership right let's say you go to a gym and you're paying a hundred dollars a month to go to the gym if you go to the gym once then you know that each session costs you a hundred dollars if you go to the gym twice mm-hmm. well now it costs you fifty dollars per session mm-hmm. sober at home essentially works in a similar way where if you make full use of our program and you're going and accessing services uh as much as seven days a week then our groups are as little as twenty dollars a session wow so okay. it's really not that expensive. So there's not a cap on like, you know, like three days, of IOP three days a week, PHP five days a week. You know, there's not a cap on that. Well, our our most intensive program is built out as a five week, uh, three time a week closed group program with access to our open groups, you know, uh, up to seven days a week. Um, and there are step downs. Um, mm-hmm. So you complete that and you can move down to a phase two. And now it's six times a week. We have month to month, you know, if you're just looking for some open group support, all of our groups are run by licensed professionals from around the country, familiar with addictions. You know, the other thing that you didn't mention, Ed, you know, the benefit of group is, you know, uh, that differs in individual therapy is we call people on their stuff, Mm, right? It's not just connecting, but, you know, also when we hear the BS, And we say, you know, I have to go to my, you know, my brother's cousin's sister's uncle's wedding. They need me there. And I say, wait a minute. Are you telling me that the wedding would be called off if you didn't go? Well, no. Um, Well, what happened at the last wedding you went to? Well, they were doing lines of coke in the bathroom. So, you know, while you're in a group and you're telling people I need to do this, right? You have all those people there to provide you with feedback to say, yeah, uh, I don't know if that's true or not, you know, so that's an important aspect. Mm-hmm. We also have um, a workbook um, with over 90 exercises that I've written throughout the years of lectures that I've done where people can do that self-reflective, uh, introspective work mm-hmm. for different phases, uh, depending on where people are at in recovery. Mm-hmm. Um it- now let's talk about some of the people that come. I mean, obviously you not tell the people that come in, but I want to know, like, do you, are you okay with MAT? Do you have people who are kind of using on the fence about things? Are they like, what's your clientele? Is it, is it somebody that, that, that wants to come on and curious? 
Um, and then yeah. they pay the money and they're still using, you know, can you give us kind of a, 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 a oversight on that? Let's, let's be clear. Our goal <laughs> is sobriety and yes. our goal is recovery. Yeah. And, you know, part of, you know, the challenges that I think we're facing as a field right now is recovery looks like a moving goalpost. Um, harm reduction, the same. Um, you know, right now there's a debate in the harm reduction world about should we be providing people with higher doses of Narcan to address the new drugs that are out on the street? And people are saying, but if they don't need it, that puts people in precipitous withdrawal. Sober at home is really recovery-oriented, recovery-focused. Our goal is to help you to restore yourself to a meaningful and purposeful life. Mm -hmm. That being said, you know, um, we have programs that are designed for people that, you know, are still, you know, maybe yesterday was their last use. Um, we have programs designed for people who have three months sober, six months sober, a year sober. So we have programs built out to service anybody in, in any of those needs. We don't preclude anyone from being on MAT and we don't, we don't take a stance and say, mm -hmm. you know, you must, or you can't be on MAT. What we want to make sure is that, you know what, if you're on MAT, you're doing it the right way mm -hmm. in a way that is moving you towards being in recovery mm -hmm. and not keeping you, you know, um, engaged in a lifestyle of existence. Mm -hmm. So um, we, we are not, a medical program. We are not a replacement for inpatient detox or, you know, medically supervised inpatient rehab programs. However, that being said, you know, we might be a program that someone might go to before they come to needing that program, or we might be the perfect program for someone coming out of one of those inpatient programs that guess what? They do have jobs that they want to go back to. Mm -hmm. um, and they don't necessarily want to go to a brick and mortar place where, you know, there may be stigma associated with going to those mm -hmm. programs, yeah. or, you know, some of you guys are familiar, and maybe some of your listeners are familiar with, you know, what's going on in a lot of these outpatient programs, where there are people in active addiction, or and or there are people selling drugs outside mm -hmm. of these facilities. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's not necessarily conducive to a, someone who really wants to be sober. These aren't necessarily conducive environments to someone who wants to get sober. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so what? Dave, do you have people like on your staff as far as like for for the medical part of it? Um, so if someone like when I was trying to get sober at home by myself, um, you know, but I realized I needed to go through that detox process first. Is there yeah. someone that would at least guide them to say, hey, let's try to get you into a, a detox first and then we can start your program or. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's the challenge when you're a national program and not a local program. You know, um, if I get somebody calling me from Boise, Idaho, you know, they're like, I need detox. I might not be the best, you know, uh, purveyor of knowledge <laughs> for the Boise, Idaho area. Um, but we do have links to um, different sites on our resources page that can help people get connected to that those levels of care. But we... Mm do not claim to provide medical services. Okay. Oh, do you have a, um, uh, like your therapists, are they licensed or is this like a peer to peer type program? No, all of our, all of our staff are <laughs> licensed, either, uh, addictions counselors, mental health counselors, social workers, um, but all who have experience in working with people with addiction. Okay. And we have people from New York to Louisiana. Okay. All right. I want to go back to something you just you said in your last conversation. I want to talk about harm reduction. Um, and we we hit on it a little bit. I'm going to be honest with you. Harm reduction isn't my thing, right? It's not what I do. I'm abstinence. But who am I to say what you want or what you want or what you want, what you can do, you know, what where you're at in your recovery. Um, I'm not that person to do that. You know, I can take care of me. I don't want to point the finger at you and say, you can't, you know, do harm reduction. And I think harm reduction because of what's going on in this world in the last, what, five to seven years that all this shit came down, um, maybe 10 years now. Um, I think harm reduction is wonderful. I really do. And I think more and more uh, treatment centers, more and more therapists, we should be talking about this a lot more. And and I know you just kind of spoke about it a little bit more, but um, so you're okay with somebody on um, methadone or somebody that is is using, you know, Suboxone. Now I'm guessing it's because of, you know, they have to be 
by a doctor or they have to be seen, right. you know, the proper channels. Can you elaborate a little bit on that and how, about that piece? Yeah, I mean, you know, <clears throat> if you are on uh, a medication assisted therapy and you are committed to a program of sobriety and, you know, you are working towards becoming that, you know, fully functional individual, um, then I agree with you 100%. You know who who is anybody to judge? Yeah. Um. Yeah. My my bigger concern with harm reduction is you know that that line I gave you from Senator Kennedy, mm-hmm. right? You know we're really good at meeting people where they're at, but if we're only allowing people to survive and avoid death, mm-hmm. um, you know there's an, uh, a, a journal article that came out recently that said. Only 25% of people that are using Suboxone or buprenorphine are misusing it. Mm. Right. I want you to think about that for a second. Right. Let's let's just, you know, I I I think the number is probably higher because I know that having worked in, you know, a variety of settings, and when I ask my population, how many of you were on Suboxone and how many of you that were on Suboxone abused it, that number is closer to 80 to wow. 90%, right? Wow. So, but but let's just assume for a second that only 25% are abusing it. Mm-hmm. Um, now we're also looking at, you know, and again, we talk about these moving goalposts saying, well, you know, doctors have to have these waivers. They have to sign up. You know, we want to eliminate these barriers. So we want all doctors to be able to prescribe Suboxone. Mm-hmm. Well, do you think that might help increase the number of people that might be potentially misusing it? Mm-hmm. Because the people that are misusing it are not only getting high, but they're selling it. They're selling it on the streets Mm. for heroin. Mm -hmm. So if you're using it appropriately, terrific. I'm in favor. Um, I'm a much bigger fan of injectables, right, that aren't going to be sold. And, you know, there are three primary um, uh, medication-assisted therapies. You've got methadone, okay? And, you know, uh, methadone is still considered by many the gold standard of uh, medication-assisted therapies. Where else in life, you know, methadone was created in the 1950s. -hmm. Where else in life do we say, you know, that thing we created in the 1950s needs no improvements. That's the gold standard, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And and I believe, I I believe methadones were created for pain management and not opiate uh, use, you know, opiate uh, control, whatever it is, yeah. So I'm not mistaken. But let me let's also take a look at um, let's also take a look at the potency, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, um, everything starts out by being compared to morphine. Um, heroin is three to five times more potent than morphine. Methadone is also three to five times more potent than morphine, but because it's a medication and if we take it as prescribed, it um, it it's, uh, reduces risks of you know, communicable disease, reduces mm-hmm. risk of overdose, it's predictable. Buprenorphine, <laughs> Suboxone, is up to 40 times more powerful mm. than morphine. Wow. So it is a really powerful drug that we're giving people. And so when mi- people do misuse it, it's potentially dangerous. Mm. And you know, when sober at home is all about helping people, mm-hmm. and what the the government and what the drug manufacturers are doing is they're saying, you know what? As long as people are on these medications in New York State, they say if they're not attending treatment and your doctor's prescribing them Suboxone, just keeps prescribing. Mm-hmm. To me, that's dangerous. To me, that's unethical, and to me, that's not really helping people. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Um, uh, the one drug that we don't talk about a lot in harm reduction is Vivitrol. Mm-hmm. And I'm really puzzled as to why we don't talk about Vivitrol more. And if you're not familiar with Vivitrol, Vivitrol is an opiate blocker. Mm-hmm. So it coats, uh, it blocks opiate receptors and prevents people from getting high. And so if you take it in its injectable <clears throat> form, it gives you 30 days of blockage protection yep. where getting high is useless because you're not going to get high unless you're really trying to push through an overdose, mm-hmm. right? And what it requires is you for, for you to be abstinent for a few days, for you to yeah. be able to go into a detox or go into a rehab yeah. and get on that drug. Um, but we don't talk about that because 
the people that are in the harm reduction movement are utilizing their compassion towards people to say, if you want to keep using drugs, if you want to keep hurting yourself, that's okay. Mm-hmm. And I'm not okay with people <clears throat> existing in life. And I agree with I agree with you on that 100%. We Vivitrol is definitely underused. I mean, I know it's 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 bigger and bigger out there, but a couple of things that I'm thinking of, you don't have to go every day. You don't have to pay your your money every day or every week or whatever it is. You get one shot and you're done. Then you go see the doc again. Um, you know, these these you know, especially methadone, it's big money. It's definitely big money, you know. And I'm not saying that every every company out there is is doing that um you know like you said there's no um no education in it you know like let's let's look at methadone methadone on a long-term basis can be very harmful to your body you know nobody's talking about that i'll go on methadone you know my you know my thoughts and that's fine i mean great go on methadone go on suboxone but my thoughts about all this is harm reduction is great do it but let's have something in place. If you're going to see a doctor for um, Vivitra, I mean, um, um, Suboxone or, or Methadone, there has to be an end goal. There has to be a plan put in place. There has to be a therapist. There has to be, um, you know, somebody watching, you know, watching the gate. You know what I mean? And then have that end goal. Some sort of help and support, right? Yeah. You know, we use Narcan and Narcan has saved tens of thousands of lives. Mm-hmm. And that's great. Mm-hmm. But did you know that about 10% of the people that are revived from a Narcan overdose are dead within a year? Do you know that 50% of those 10% of people that die within a year die within a month, mm-hmm. right? And so what are we doing to help people beyond Narcan? What are we mm-hmm. helping to do to help people beyond existence? A New York Times article came out, I believe it was last week, talking about a harm reduction clinic <clears throat> Excuse me, in New York City. Um, and, and again, I I don't, I don't fault them for their care and compassion for their hearts. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) but (laughs) you know, when you're meeting with, excuse me, a pregnant woman who's living on the streets, who is using every day and you're providing her with clothing, excuse me, food, new socks, Mm-hmm. Right. And we're and 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 gently saying, you know, maybe you want to think about getting some help because you have an unborn baby. Right. Are we are we helping these people or are enabling we them, enabling and mm-hmm. are we delaying consequences and delaying mm-hmm. death so that we can make our overdose statistics look better today? Mm-hmm. And I want to help people get sober. And and that is a great concept. Um, so sober at home pr- is is good with this um, MAT program. Then if you're on, if you're on MAT, you're okay to come to sober at home. Absolutely, good, yeah. good, good. That that's and I and again, that's not for me. But again, who am I to say that? I believe that you know um, a more and more program should be you know MAT friendly. I want to talk about something else that I think now. I'm not a fan of it. I don't never smoke pot. I never did anything with pot. I was not a huge pot guy. But what's your thoughts on on using pot? You know, the legalization of pot. I know New York, right, is now legal, legal legalized. New Jersey now, Massachusetts. Um, you know, all these states are, 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 you know, after Colorado went and seen all the money going, uh, why not? Let's make some money. That's number one. Number two, my thoughts, again, pot is much easier on the body. I may not be just as on the brain, but there's a lot of good uses for marijuana, like for anxiety, for um, medical reasons, all medical reasons. Yeah. If, if, you know, people with cancer, they, they smoke pot to eat, you know? Um, And this is Bambi's wheelhouse here because she, she's the nurse in the, in the bunch, but what's your thoughts on all that? All right, let's get ready to rumble. (laughs) (laughs) Um. You know, first of all, we we talk about marijuana like it's this all natural herb. And the reality is that the legal marijuana that's being consumed today is nothing, is nothing like the marijuana that people were using and consuming back in the 1960s and the 1970s. The average level of THC, the substance that gets you high in marijuana back in the 60s and 70s, pretty much topped out at about 5%. Mm-hmm. Um, in many of the products that, uh, in the ways in which marijuana is used today, 
we have THC levels of over 90%, in some cases, almost 99%. (laughs) The comparison that someone made, you know, if you were trying to get caffeine into your body, right, um, comparing the marijuana of the old days um, to the marijuana now is like the difference between drinking a 20-ounce Coke for your caffeine and drinking 33 grande Oh uh, cappuccinos from Starbucks. It's <clears throat> yeah. not the same. Yeah. So when you when we talk about this as this natural, safe alternative, right? Then we have to talk about the fact that there's a thirteen hundred and seventy five percent increase in the number of emergency room visits for children who are being exposed to these edibles. A new uh, CNN article that came out yesterday, uh, a few days back, that said that daily marijuana smokers are 34% more likely to develop arteriosclerosis. Mm -hmm. Now, keep in mind that the number of daily marijuana smokers has increased tenfold since the 1990s. -hmm. So when we start talking about it being not as hard a drug, or we talk about it being, you know, not harmful, you talked about anxiety, but the reality is Dr. Nora Volkal from who heads up NIDA um, talked about anxiety and marijuana and said, you know, when we start taking a substance to deal with anxiety mm-hmm. um, and we take, let's say, marijuana, for example, um, we become dependent on that marijuana and lack the coping skills to deal with anxiety otherwise, making us more likely to become dependent on marijuana, making us more likely to become daily users. And marijuana users are two times more likely to go on to... Um, uh, opioid uh, have opioid disorders mm-hmm. in the in the state of Colorado, which is you know we all look much <laughs> around Colorado, right? Mm-hmm. Everything the marijuana lobby told us turned out to be the opposite. Mm-hmm. They told us that you know what we're going to make tons and tons of money with marijuana, and that's really the only reason why people would really choose to legalize it, other mm-hmm. than the lobbyists that just want to see people have access to it. Mm-hmm. Um, well. The most marijuana accounts for in the state revenue budgets of any state that has legalized marijuana is just over 1%. And it's costing over four times as much to treat the consequences of marijuana, mm. right? Um, that's that's not really cost effective, yeah. right? Yeah. Colorado is number one in the nation in car thefts. They're number two in the nation in property uh, property damage. Mm-hmm. They have over a 20% increase in homicides. They've moved up seven places on the national list of overdoses of opioids. And we can blame fentanyl for these overdoses. Mm-hmm. But guess what? Every other state is dealing with fentanyl as well. Mm-hmm. So when we start talking about the, I agree with you, Ed. You know, if you've got stage four cancer and, you know, you can't eat and, you know, you want marijuana and, you know, who are we to stop you? If you're having 150 seizures a day, you know, and marijuana is stopping you from having seizures, terrific, Mm -hmm. have at it. Mm -hmm. But the reality is uh, marijuana is equally as likely, if not more likely to trigger mental illness and impede our ability to cope with symptoms Mm -hmm. of stress and anxiety than it is to actually ultimately help. People are more likely to develop anxiety disorders when they're using marijuana in the first place. So I'm, uh, it, yeah. let's well, go. I mean, definitely a medical place for it. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, we've been using Marinol um, for patients that need to gain weight for as far, well, I've been a nurse 36 years and I've been given it for 36 years. So, you know, we've been doing that to help patients with weight gain, certainly seizures, um, pain reduction, you know, I mean, there is a definitely a medical place for it now. Personally, I think that if you're, you know, if you're going to claim to be sober, you need mm-hmm. to be sober unless yeah. there's a true medical reason. And mm-hmm. it is very easy to get a medical card nowadays mm-hmm. for reasons yeah. that are not true reasons, but there's definitely a medical place for it. Yeah. Well, you know what? It's interesting. And you talked about anxiety. The state of Pennsylvania is one of the only states in the country that legalized marijuana for a standalone anxiety disorder. You know what they came to find? 
that there are more people with an anxiety disorder yeah, in Pennsylvania than any other state in the country. Yeah. What, do you, what do you think? It's because we are offering marijuana or because there's just more anxiety in Pennsylvania? Well, that's where we should just legalize it. Just legalize it and and make it happen across the board so we can watch, not, not so we can watch it, but so we can kind of monitor it. Let, let's talk about alcohol, guys. Alcohol is way worse than, than marijuana. I mean, you know, just by my my um me doing some research in in the years you know when i again i smoked i used to smoke pot when i was out there once in a while i didn't like it but i can honestly tell you when i smoked pot i never punched anybody in the face i never um you know got loud with anybody i never got angry um the worst thing I might've done was tackle a bag of Doritos way back when, you know? So that's number one, you know? So, and, and on the body wise, alcohol just destroys your body, completely destroys your body. Um, if anything should be illegal, it should be alcohol. If we're going to, if we're going to, you know, if we're going to want to talk about um, things that shouldn't be legal, that's number one. Number two, um, the other alternative to um, the anxiety is benzos. Benzos are not good at all. I mean, let's be serious. Benzos withdraw from. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, if you're you taking can, benzos, you know, you as a nurse, you know, you can't yeah. stop taking those. No, alcohol and benzos, you know, you <clears> die <throat> from that withdrawal, you know, very so, easily. You know, I, I think alcohol is, you know, and they use medication assisted therapy for alcohol now, Trexone. But again, mm -hmm. it's a pill you take every day and people, you know, they don't see an immediate re effect and they go off of it. But there is an Altrexone implant that mm -hmm. you can get that lasts for three, three to six months, depending mm -hmm. on your metabolism. And it's a, you know, like a little baby egg you put inside and it, mm -hmm. it's an implant, you know, I mean, I think that for alcohol, the medication assisted treatment is underused personally that's mm -hmm. my personal opinion i agree i i agree with you bambi i think that you know seeing mat in the state of new jersey is very widely used uh so, um what's the shot we were just talking about vivitrol vivitrol is used on every single patient is offered uh vivitrol when they uh, after they're detoxed uh, i think it's three to five days mm -hmm. after full detox they're offered mm -hmm. the shot um and we've watched miracles happen from that. I think mm -hmm. that Suboxone is an appropriate MAT form, anywhere between nine and 12 milligrams a day, anything over that. And, and, and obviously that's dependent on body weight and all of that stuff, which sure. is more Bambi's kind of place. But, you know, these are all really wonderful MAT, but MAT is not harm reduction harm reduction. And, and I'm, I think we kind of got off track here mm -hmm. is, is that if somebody's doing 20 bags a day of heroin and they decide that smoking pot every day is a good, is a good remedy for that, that's recovery. That is the definition of harm reduction, mm -hmm. doing something that is less harmful. Does a pot, does marijuana cause anxiety and paranoia? Yeah, absolutely. And given to a chronic alcoholic or a chronic drug addict, yes, they're going to chronically use it. Mm -hmm. um, but harm reduction is really looking at each individual. Yes. Meeting them where they're at, yeah, not yeah. dragging their, <clears throat> dragging them to something that we think they should be at, mm -hmm. but offering them support, no stigma and some normalization mm -hmm. um, to tr doing their best in that moment and allowing them the space and grace to come to their mm -hmm. own awakening. And right. Yeah. So it's like when you talk about harm reduction and then you start to classify what is and what isn't, that's not harm reduction anymore. That's what I want for somebody to be doing instead and, of. And that's how we started off with, you know, it's not yeah. what I want. It's what somebody else wants. Right. And that brings us back to sober at home, Dave, um, all this stuff. <laughs> and I, and, and this is a fascinating subject and, and, and all that stuff. And we're going to love the dialogue and uh, we're going to have to wrap it up here in a minute, but. Um, so everything we just talked about is sober at home. Okay. With that, as long as they're moving forward and, and getting the help, like Beth said, you know, meet them where they're at. Is that what you guys do? You meet them at where we're at and not leave them there. I like yeah. that. I love hearing that. Don't leave them there. And that's what sounds like what you guys are doing at sober at home. Yeah. Our goal again, um, going back to the core of who we are, right. Mm -hmm. And that is helping people restore meaningful and purposeful lives. Yeah. And, you know, if, you know, you are, 
you know, there's a difference between, you know, uh, I was using heroin every day and now I'm smoking marijuana and I'm living in my parents' basement at 38 years old and I don't have a life, then, you know, I would disagree and I would say <laughs> that's not really recovery. You know, no. what is recovery? It's biological, it's physical, it's emotional, it's spiritual, it's having meaningful relationships, it's returning to the workforce, it's having <laughs> money in your pocket. Um, so, you know, we want to help people restore those types of lives. And, you know, and and Beth, can I push back on you just a little bit? Absolutely. You know, um, you know, you seem, you know, I, I don't want to pretend to know you or, your, you know, your family circumstances. But, you know, if you found out your mom had cancer and, you know, and the doctor said, you know, there's great news. Um we've caught this and and we can cure this, you know, radiation and surgery and, and, and your mom is likely to be cancer free. And your mom says, yeah, what can you help me to do to just be more comfortable? That's her right? choice. And hundred percent. Like and, I see exactly where you're going with this. And, and, it's your and, choice. And I, and I, I, I appreciate your perspective on that, but I can say that the vast majority of people in my experience would say, mom, you're getting that, you know, surgery. We want mm-hmm. to have you my around. mom would get the surgery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Your mom would get the surgery. Absolutely. Absolutely. Can you right. hold her down? Yeah. hundred percent. But the reality is, is, is that nobody else is angry with the cancer person who has cancer. Whereas when you're, when, and this is my, my point, when you're talking about substance use disorder, by time mm-hmm. they're reaching out for help, they've mm-hmm. already burned every single bridge. Mm-hmm. And the only reason that they can find and muster up the courage to ask for help, even with the harm reduction model is, is that they've literally tried everything else, mm-hmm. right? They've, they've burned every means of human aid, um, and are left in a lurch. So when we look at harm reduction and they're only smoking pot and they're living in their father's, you know, basement and they don't have any relationships, that's called a beginning. Mm-hmm. And if at what time they choose to say, this isn't enough for me, then they will are responsible, right? We are each responsible once we turn, whenever you think a person turns as an adult, you know what I mean? Like whatever, <laughs> you know, 13, 18, 25, all very valid, you know, means of becoming an adult depends on who you are. Um, you're responsible for your, your entire life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And my experience in working with substance use disorder for many years is, is that when you shove something down somebody with substance use disorders throat, they immediately reject it. Mm -hmm. So my experience with following and reading the studies from abroad in countries that have completely legalized drugs and have completely um, taken a completely different turn on the entire uh, pandemic um, than we have, what was found was is that when we break down stigma, when we break down lack of communication, when we help people find purpose, they want to stop using. Mm. So can I make one more point, Ed, before you move on? Yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. Because we do have an example right here in the United States, and it's the state of Oregon. And in the state of Oregon, what they've done is they decriminalize heroin, they decriminalize methamphetamine. Jeez. And what they've done is they said, what we're going to do is we're going to put more money into treatment. And so the the idea being, that if we make these drugs more accessible, there are going to be more people that are going to be in need of treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, what they found was the opposite. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. They had more people using these substances. They had more they had increases in overdoses. And they had, even though they put money aside for it, they had less people that were actually reaching out for treatment and help. Well, let's be serious. Right, but, that's, but you're taking one state, an entire <clears throat> culture, and a country of 300 million people that are saying <clears throat> they're dirtbags. Yeah. So I wouldn't be reaching out for yeah, and, and, and yeah. I'd be trying to continue to if if you gave me a culture that said I was a scum drugs, I'd overdose in about five minutes. Mm. And and so, uh, you know, uh, I really admire and appreciate the passion and compassion of people that, you know, are, are involved in the harm reduction movement and really started back in, you know, the 80s with AIDS. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I think we have gone, and I'm not saying you're doing this, Beth, but, you know, we've gone to a place where um, people that are working towards helping people get sober and that really set sobriety as that goal, that 
um, we almost are being stigmatized by a lot of people and saying, you know, we lack compassion. We mm-hmm. lack understanding for where people are at. And I think there's room in the tent for everybody. I agree. I mean, yeah. I've been abstinent for a long time, so I understand the abstinence rule. And I actually took a course, the CPRS or whatever it is. Um, I totally did not. I was not on board with with uh, with harm reduction until I actually sat in a room of professionals that talked about the benefits. Um, and I think that as we move into or through, right, we've been doing this for a long time, opiates, you know, when I got sober, there were no opiates around, they didn't mm-hmm, exist. Mm-hmm, and um, you could go out, you, we would tell newcomers, if you're not happy here, go out and drink, mm-hmm. go hit your bottom and come back. And that was my philosophy. Like, you're going to do what you're going to do when you're ready. Um, and I'm not going to deal with this until you're ready. Um, and I've watched too many people that I've worked with. Um, only a few of them I knew personally, but a lot of people that I've worked with that they went out one night, they had a bag, <clears throat> it was a bad bag, and now they're dead. Yeah. There's yeah. just no coming back from that. Yeah. Well, the, so the problem that's is what sold me on on any yeah. form of harm reduction mm-hmm. was the landscape that we now live in. Sometimes you don't get a shot no. after tonight. Like tonight's no. your last shot. That's like, it. The last time put it in your arm. Yeah. The, you know, that that's the um the you know, the thought on on, you know, like uh you know, I was going to say harm, harm reduction. That's the thought on, on this disease, right? This disease is, is cunning, baffling and powerful, right? Um, you know, that cancer, you know, I would jump on it for my mom in a heartbeat, but do you know how many times I get a phone call from a parent saying he's using, he doesn't want help. Like, like that is a disease still. And we're not, we're not wrapping our heads around it. And understanding that these people and me included all those years ago, we don't have control once we're in our addiction, when we yeah. can break out of it, when we can snap out of it. And you probably see this, Dave, at Sober Home. Um, we have that moment of clarity where we can, somebody can grab us and pull us out of that addiction for a moment and put us somewhere safe for that moment. And then, then we can kick and fight and scream in that safe place, but it's a safe place. And then we can relax a little bit, relax a little bit, a little 30 days later, I might be able to do this, right? Sober at home, I might be able to do this, you know, follow through. Now I'm, I'm at sober at home, you know, 60 days later, I could do this, yeah. you know, 10 years later, I'm doing it. 20 years later, I'm doing it, you know, because yep. sober at home, because somebody understood, but majority of the people out there, exactly what Beth said. And it's my, this is just my opinion. Think that people with a drug or alcohol problem. No, I shouldn't even say drug or alcohol problem with a drug problem is a dirt bag. Now let's, uh, I know we, we said we we're going to close, but uh, you got me going. I'm sorry. Let's, <laughs> take let's take a liquor store, right? The, the, the sales executive goes in, he makes $200,000 a year. He buys his fancy bottle of whatever the fuck you drink and, and, and you'll get fucked up on you go home, drink it and you beat the shit out of your wife. He gets dressed back up in the morning, puts his tie on, has a hangover, pops a couple fucking Advil. Maybe it bends on the way to work. Hey, Mr. Jones, you know, great sales job. Oh, yeah, that guy's the outstanding citizen, blah, blah, blah. Goes back home, beats the shit out of his wife, drinks again. That man is just as bad as the person that's stealing from, you know, from everybody else. He has no control over because of the addiction. Just because it happens behind closed doors and he's wearing a suit and tie and he drives a BMW doesn't mean that he's not exempt from this. You know, and and that's kind of kind of where all I, I think this is going, and I think we have to recognize this as a disease. And I like that your Dave, your company is is kind of doing this and kind of pulling people and saying it's okay to be like this. Let's pull you in. Let's get that grip a little bit loose, a little bit loose, a little bit loose. You know, until yeah. it's free. And if you want to go back gripping again, like like Beth said, try it, right? But yeah. how long can you hold this? How long can you hold this for, right? Until you either need relief or you can't do it anymore and you're going to die. That would be my thought on all that. And Dave, thank you so much for everything you're doing out there. Um, can you give the audience uh, kind of how how you, we can get a hold of you and 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 how we can enroll in your program and, and all sure. that stuff? Sure. So, um, you know, we are on all social media platforms. 
Um, you can reach us at soberathomeinc.com. That's soberathomeinc.com. Or you can call us at uh, 855-52-SOBER. And, you know, we have people that are ready to answer the call. And we fundamentally believe in every single person's capacity to change. So, um, you know, if you'd like more information, please visit our website, soberathomeinc.com. Call us 855-52-SOBER. We're on all social media platforms. Look for the blogs that I write. Mm -hmm. You know, they can be a little edgy. No, um, great blogs, great website, you know, it's well put together, um, you know, as far as all that goes, you know, and uh, just very, you know, just another look at how we can stay sober again. That's what we do here. We want to make sure that we have all this, you know, from, you know, sober at home to detoxes to interventions to whatever it is that we get this chance to help everybody like, you know, like you said, Beth and, and Dave from all walks of life, from every part of it, you know, even the medical uh, side of it, like Bambi was speaking earlier, we want people to get help, uh, you know, through this when they can and how they can, if that makes sense to everybody. Ladies and gentlemen, gentlemen, great show. Um, Dave, thank you for being a guest on here. I love controversy. I love getting shit stirred up. I love sides pushing back. I love it all because you know what? Everybody's opinion counts and everybody um, has an opinion and everybody needs to kind of kind of voice that. And, you know, Dave, I think, you know, what you're doing is amazing out there and keep up the great work. Please, guys, give Dave a call um, if you're struggling with any problems. You know, they're there for you guys. And as you can hear, they're open to just about anything and they're going to help you get, like Dave said, on the right path, whatever that path might look like. Um, So that's it for the show. Dave, thank you so much. And thanks for having me. Stay sober, everybody. Thanks, David. This concludes this episode of Friends in Recovery, the Addiction Recovery Podcast. Follow us on Facebook for past shows and updates and enjoy free access to twice daily support meetings. Friends in Recovery, the Addiction Recovery Podcast is available on Facebook, Podbean, iTunes, and YouTube 24 hours a day, seven days a week.